0: Welcome to another edition of the Work Life Hub podcast.
1: To find out more and to listen to other episodes, please go to www.worklifehub.eu. Welcome to another episode of the Work Life Hub podcast. And we are joined via Skype by Nicole Dominique Lemaire from the Netherlands, but usually she's in the UK. And we are super excited to have her on the show. She's um, a leader in human resources. She's the CEO of the People Engine LTD, and as well as the owner and founder of new to hr which is great because we are quite new to HR. She's also involved in the female leader. She's an entrepreneur, a female leader herself, an author uh, of the book, Being a Female Leader. And of course, she contributes to a lot of blogs and uh, magazines and podcasts. So welcome, uh, Nicole.
0: Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here today.
1: So we have been t- meeting on Twitter, which is a great place to meet. And, and we followed a little bit uh, the New to HR articles and blogs. And we always were very curious if you could maybe explain what drives you, what motivates you and, and how did you get here where you are now?
0: Okay, a very good question and sometimes I I wonder myself how I got uh, here today. Um, I started uh, at a a graduate program in a multinational and I was posted uh, across the world. Um, So far I've lived in about 34 countries and like full-time lived in at least 21 of them. So, um, that really drives me, the multinational, the international, the cultures, different traditions. Um, it's, it's wonderful to work with people from around the world, and that really um, excites me, and I have a real passion for for the people um, on the ground, but also, of course, in, in, in the organizations. So that's really the, the, the majority driver of, 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 of me, really, is, is working with people.
1: And um, how did you uh, set up your companies? Because you you have you are quite diverse, if I see you you have your hand in, in quite a few businesses, and and how did they come about?
0: I think, um, you know, there's a lot of talk uh, nowadays about talent and what type of talent you have. And use the, the talent you have from a personal perspective. And I have a little bit of talent in all these places and all these organizations. And I can't choose. I love what I do. Um, so um, I have New to HR, which really focuses on HR newbies and, and career professionals, also career changers. Then I have Human Resources Global, which is really the, the business side, the big projects in HR with multinational companies. Um, the Female Leader really came about uh, when I um, worked on a book and co-authored the book, The Female Leader. And I really thought, okay, how can we actually help? Women in general, and not so much from what do they need to have, but how can we make sure that they have the skills, for example, financial skills. Um, how do they budget for their, you know, within their businesses? So that's one of the reasons why um, we really got involved in that, um, and and that's kind of how I, I'm involved in a variety of things. Uh, I'm looking at a variety of board positions at the moment. I'm being approached more and more by uh, to help people uh, move forward with their uh, their business. So it's quite an exciting time.
1: Tell us a little bit more about new to HR because for us, for example, at the Work Life Hub, it's it's so nice to have this great resource which recognizes that there is now a a growing section of people who are new to HR, and they may not be HR managers themselves, but somehow looking at really this essence of human resources and investment in humans, investment in talent. So how how did that evolve? What kind of structure is it and what are your services?
0: Okay, Um, we started up, well I came up with the idea about 15 years ago when I first um, came out to organization and traveled. I was put into Africa and the Middle East and I truly had no idea what I was doing there. I had objectives (laughs) and I had some milestones and I had to achieve it. And I'm thinking of looking all over this, the net, at that time it wasn't that big yet. Um, and I'm thinking, where can I find all this information? Who can help me? And there was nothing there uh, from an international perspective. And I'm thinking, there must be other people that have exactly the same issue. So the idea really started rolling and rolling. And then in 2013, I thought, okay, well, this is the right time to set up new HR. So it's a, it's structured with a number of uh, virtual employees. So I have a team across the world. In each region, we have a number of people um, that both contribute to the blog, but also uh, support from a, a workshop perspective, or a bootcamp perspective. So we're pretty much getting uh, a global perspective from uh, all types of organizations, from startups, for individuals just looking for HR support or or help, and and really the idea and the mission behind it is really to fill in the gap. There is Mm -hmm. all these wonderful HR institutes and all these wonderful organizations, but there's nothing in between. So if somebody comes from example from a HR uh, course or university degree, they come into the workplace, the organization expects them to know everything about HR, because they have this wonderful degree or master's in HR, and they love working with people. But that's really not enough. So all these guys and girls are swimming. Certain organizations and institutes, they don't provide enough of basic and operational information. So that's one of the the, the areas we we really look at. And then from a startup perspective, how many startups are there now? There's so many that uh, require some type of help, but they don't have the budgets to be able to afford a full-time HR professional. And really, um, one of the questions which I'd like to uh, come back later on, is it the right way forward to have an HR professional full-time in a startup? You know, um, and is HR the right uh, type of department to come into you know, small and medium-sized organizations?
1: I think it's, um, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, I have so many questions, but what you just said at the very end is, is so interesting. Because I think if you have a startup, especially perhaps with the abundance of tech startups, I guess HR is probably the last thing on their mind. No, they're they're looking at the programmers, at the website, at the marketing, at the sales, and, and HR somehow is going to take care of itself. Is this correct, what I'm assuming?
0: Th- that's correct. Everybody, you know, you have a team of wonderful, passionate people. They all are creative and innovative, and they're going for it. Everybody gets a little bit of money here, a little bit of money there. They get a bit of salary overall. Um, but once they take the step further, and they go over, for example, TEM employees. Certain country laws dictate that you have to have an HR professional or outsource some of your HR services. And that was really dependent. And usually, um, if we talk about uh, tech companies, they're already too late. They've already gone past 20, 30, 40 people. And they kind of manage. You know, it's like student time. Everybody manages it. Everybody has fun. But overall, you know, things are becoming a little bit unclear of who does what. And at that time, really, that should have been structured when they came to 10
1: people. I think this. this is maybe something where where outsiders um, underestimate the role HR can play. Uh, I think that there is a kind of a misconception about um, maybe just the payroll. It's confusion whether this is the payroll and managing all the administrative stuff and not so much HR being at the uh, CEOs or CFO's table in designing the roles, how it fits into the strategy. So is this also something that you help companies with?
0: We get more and more requests to, to help, um, I, I would say, sort out teams, help sort out companies. Uh, and, and that's really um, really quite nice because that's what, what we love to do. So, um, you know, if you're talking about the 10 people, um, they don't need an HR professional and they can outsource certain parts of it. But it's great to already give everybody a little bit of responsibility of that HR professional role. And when I'm saying this is a lot of traditional HR professionals will probably um, say politely, kick kick my backside because HR is seen as somebody needs to be in HR in a company. And that's not always true. It doesn't always fit. And in a lot of the organizations that we come in, we help structure the services of HR in such a way that there's no need for a full-time HR employee.
1: Is it that the responsibilities are also handed over a little bit to the line managers and the team leaders?
0: Um, exactly. Or there, there's uh, an office manager, or somebody really actually likes. Usually, there's really somebody who likes structure, likes organization, <laughs> and that's the the, the one that uh, that's probably the 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 best suited to uh, allocate some of these uh, some of these uh, people tasks.
1: Mm, well, this is already a great takeaway, I think, from this chat is, is find maybe the characteristics of the person who will be really doing this well instead of getting a label or, or someone who is, you know, labeled as the HR person. And this is, I guess, goes totally back to your initial um, thoughts about talent of who, you know, which role fits whom in the organization. Um, Now, uh, going back again to your international experience, do you see that there is a great cultural difference between the different regions of the world or with the new technological revolution, globalization, labor mobility, it is blending a little bit?
0: It is blending a lot more, um, but... There is also a protective layer, or I would say almost a protective bubble that people now protect them with. And when I for example talk about, um, you know, multinationals or larger organizations, they all have either a central HR team or they have a certain amount of people sitting somewhere who takes care of the people type of tasks. There's a lot more protectivity of what they're doing because there's a lot of fear um, around, <laughs> around the world of losing jobs um, of, of, of losing control so if you if look at uh, you know there's now communication robots and it would be lovely to see how HR will be able to do something with it, how an organization will be able to use that but particularly at the HR um, in, in general so there's a lot more um, Yes, virtual working, there's a lot more passionate people, you know, working from Germany, from Holland, from the US, from, you know, Australia. And um, all the social media makes it a lot easier. But when you come and and look at what the people individually are doing in
1: their country, they're very
0: protective.
1: So is this perhaps, Um, one or the one of the current challenges of HR because we're always we're we're thinking a little bit that maybe HR is also in a a bit of an existential crisis it tries to find its footing in in this new world of of work and globalization is perhaps one one of these uh, challenges and if you can maybe expand a little bit more on what what are the current challenges and how can HR respond to this
0: I think there's a a lot of challenges. I think there is a a stream of HR professionals that embrace, for example, social media, that embrace, you know, the work life hub, that embrace uh, new types of thinking. And then there's a stream of HR professionals that are very difficult to reach, that just want to keep it all how it is. They don't want to change. Why change? It's good the way it is. And actually, it might be good the way it is. You know, in their organization, it might be good the way it is. But they probably see marketing, finance, and other departments like running past them with new ideas, creativity, innovation, new you know software systems. And if they can't keep up with it, that's that's where the identity crisis of HR is at the moment. Um, and there's no need to say that you have to use it. It is, you will have to use it, otherwise you'll be left behind. Um, and, and that's what, um, you know, if you look at the two streams, across the world is getting you know the the stream of who loves embraces new ways of thinking they're like running mm-hmm. <laughs> towards the future and they're leaving a huge huge gap of you know uh, the, the ones that think well you know why should we you know what is the incentive for me to start twittering what's the incentive for me to you know engage on linkedin
1: mm-hmm. and i
0: think for organizations that's where the key lies it needs to be incentivized in a certain way, not, not monetary, but incentivized of, you know, if you do this, also for your personal brand, actually help you, for example, with your next career step, or it'll help you, you know, uh, move along in a different direction. And organizations enforce, yes, you have to either use Twitter or you're not allowed to use Twitter. Mm, yeah.
1: there's,
0: no, there's no, well, do you want to use Twitter? Go mm. ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, I've read a very interesting article somewhere where it said that those employees who can connect on social media or can freely browse the Internet during their work are more creative and more productive because they may then seek some solutions um, you know, for their problems at work and get inspired from this wealth of, uh, of knowledge that is already out there and, and can really bring in this new blood. And we also refer to... You know, employees now need to be intrapreneurial. So, some of these units, in even in large organizations, need to somehow behave a little bit like a startup and reiterate and try new things. Is this what you meant?
0: Yes, and, and that's, uh, I've written quite a, a few blogs on, on entrepreneurship. And um, it's, it's, it's greatly done by uh, like the, the top five. Uh, blue chips that they, they are have these wonderful entrepreneurial you know entrepreneurial entrepreneurial teams however where's the rest of the workforce <laughs> and you know and that's that's really you know you're again you're focusing on people that you see as your talents but actually, the, the ones that need it most, you're leaving behind. They are the ones, you know, the larger group are the ones actually need to, the, it's almost the sheep over the, the river and, and, you know, the, the first sheep goes and then when the rest comes. You need to focus on who your influences are, who is the person that can actually Kind of pull over the rest of the, the the employees over the water, you know. So it's all about the social engagement, uh, employee
1: advocacy. These are these are amazing new concepts, and but I'm just also thinking, you know, how how this is possible to implement in a larger, more conservative structure. And
0: and then we're talking about the, the organizational culture, and that is something that doesn't change overnight, you know, it it is really by um, putting a a, a good project structure in place and stepping by stepping, um, you know, you'll go through uh, the diverse change management almost, you know, it is really change management. But then again, why do you want your employees to use all this? Why do you want to engage them if it's not clear for them and usually it isn't? You know what do I get out of it if I if I work for example you know as, as as part of you know a gas station you know employee what do I get out of it if are using Twitter you know I mean I'm not getting it's extra work why should I do it it's not in my job description you know there needs to be well actually you know if you tweet out and say oh you just you know met a famous person who t- You know came by you know and got some gas or gasoline you know that's huge you know
1: this is great that's a great idea I never even thought about that Uh, one of our missions is to say that work-life balance or work-life measures is not only for IT based office workers or managers and we you know look at hospitals and pharmacies and retail and industry but I never ever thought about um, a gas station worker but that's such a great example i really love it um another thing that i was really itching to ask you about is the work you've done on the female leader and the gender perspective would you say that hr is more of a a female dominated uh, sector still
0: yes it's, it's when i started out it was 50 50 um, nowadays, I would say almost 90% of all um, workers in in nature are actually women mm. and females. Uh, and that's not always something to be proud of, to be honest. Um, a, a better balanced work uh, industry would actually probably um, enforce some of, for example, the new type of thinking a little bit more.
1: Is this because... Um this is a career path where women can get to the boardrooms or can get to the C offices via the the uh, HR track you think
0: um, I think it probably is it, it, it is uh, easy accessible. However, um, HR was usually you know if you think traditionally it was also a, a, an organization department that was well you know, we have a person here, and we don't really know what to do with her. Let's put her in HR, mm. and that hasn't hasn't um, left the building. Let's put it mm. this way: so that thinking is still a little bit in organization. So, um, it's it's. I think that's also why. There's a lot of women in in, in the HR department and HR teams. Mm. It's it's very um, accessible for women. It's not um, strenuous. Mm. Well, it can be. It yeah. can be if, if you're working in the emerging markets. But uh, um, you know, there's no um, heavy lifting or you know running around. Um, it, it it's very you know it used to be pretty simple from an administrative perspective and women. Uh, you know from a, a behavioral standpoint are very good in organizing so it's only you know by by matter of fact well, where women are good at so that's the department for them and that's what they are attracted to so that's all that's all um, different types of behaviors that that's one of the reasons why, why hr is, is is of interest but i think it's a pity i, th- I think um, i think it would be suit everyone a lot better if there was a, a balance of 50-50
1: and how, how can HR play a role in promoting women in an organization? Um, you know, we at the Work Life Hub, we look at the different uh, measures to... Um, make work-life balance easier or, or more possible and even though we always say it's not only for working parents and carers um, in, in the life course or career path of women motherhood is is of course the moment where they 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 drop out or they reduce or they are are backsliding in their careers so uh, is there a role for hr to to also promote women to to help with work life balance where where do you see this
0: but it's interesting because I uh, spoke in London last week in excel um, on one of the the conferences there about reward strategy and gender equality and also on you know ultimately results into also the work-life balance and um, I have to take a different approach and um, I I I really think um, there is importance of gender equality and, you know, the the grass ceiling aspect. However, do we actually want work-life balance? And um, nowadays, if you look, everybody's focused on um, their own individual talent. But if you're doing what you love, then you know do you need that work-life balance because your life is already majority balanced due to it uh, from from a talent perspective so if, if we look then at organizations then it becomes a different you know a different ball game and we look at the law but from a from a talent perspective and, and gender equality you know uh, definitely there's a, there's a lot of to be said for you know, um, maternity leave and paternity leave, and I think it's of course very important. But it, it's also, um, do you still want to uh, move up to change after that? Do you want to be promoted? Do you still have that passion to have that? Um, and that's that's really um, where a lot of research still needs to be focused, to be honest. Um, from from my perspective
1: well I, I think that um, um for sure, there is a lot of um guilt and and social stigma associated to um you know still motherhood and wanting a career or fatherhood and wanting the career. This is what we really see if you know men are very conflicted now in the u k there's shared parent to leave, but for men to really step up and say, "I'm very attached to my career, I love my job, I love what I do." But this is a crucial time when I want to spend some time with my child. And even if I dip out two months, I want to be back and take on those responsible, you know, tasks and jobs and clients. So I I think that there is a lot of um, culture change still to be to be done there.
0: Well, I, th- I think definitely in, in, when we're talking about, the, you know, the male side of, of things. Um, I had a, a very interesting um, conversation last week with a scientist on behavioral ecology. And he mentioned that um, he took time off. He works less to be with his daughter. But sees all the rest of his colleagues, his male colleagues, um Going up the chain, you know, being promoted, getting a lot more projects, all these types of things. So, you know, it's not only the, 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 the women's side, it happens to, to the male side as well. So, overall, then needs to be something that ties everybody together. Um, so, if it now happening to, to males as well, that's, that's very interesting. And did we expect that to happen from a work life balance perspective?
1: Bef- before I ask you our, our last question, um, uh, may- if you do want to tell us about the current projects of, of new to HR or some of the webinars that are coming up?
0: That, that's wonderful. So for new to HR we have a number of, of exciting. Well, exciting things we are working on, so we have a lot of boot camps across the world and it's becoming more and more and some of these boot camps are just how do you do the normal HR admin or how do you do compensation and benefits, it's also much more on the influencer side, you know, how do you become an influencer in your organization, how do you become the employee brand advocate. Um, so, and then um, bi-weekly, we have a number of webinars, and these are guest speakers from around the world, and we have had some exciting uh, speakers already, and that's, that's really going pretty well, so there's a, a lot of interest in that.
1: Do you want to maybe just remind listeners of your website?
0: That's wonderful. Um, it's new to hr.com. It's very easy, new to hr.com, and you can't miss it. Really, it's all very bright and uh, and green and blue.
1: <laughs> um, great, thank you so much. Now, coming to our last questions, this this is the question we we ask everyone, and and it's actually after a couple of um podcasts it's great to 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 see the or listen to the different uh, the different answers but we always ask the last question that if uh nicole you could give one advice to a ceo to make uh, a difference in the lives of his and or her employees at the workplace what would that be
0: I would say that it needs to be that the CEO looks and goes back to ground level and looks at what do they actually want to achieve with their employees, what is necessary to make sure that the employee needs are met, but also the organization needs are met, and leaving out some of the stakeholder pressures.
1: Great. So thank you so much, Nico, for coming on the Work Life Hub podcast. It was really interesting and I I really enjoyed our chat.
0: Me too. Thank you so much.